0: Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy host of the Set Apart podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I want to talk about the principle of God working all things together for our good. This is a principle we see very strongly in scripture, and yet it's very easy to overlook this principle in our Christian lives. And the negative things that happen to us often cause us to question the love of our Father in heaven. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that our Set Apart magazine is a beautiful resource for women of all ages, and we've now expanded to four print issues a year. So if you become a subscriber, you'll get this print magazine with every season delivered to your mailbox, or you can subscribe for digital access. If you'd like to learn more about this Christ-centered resource, which is just a wonderful addition to your daily quiet times and your walk with Christ, go to setapartgirl.com and just click on the magazine tab. So let's dive into God working all things together for our good. In other articles, I've talked about the principle of God making beauty out of the ashes in our lives. Isaiah sixty-one three says, To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God loves to take the difficult things, the heavy things, the sorrowful things, and turn them into beautiful testimonies of his faithfulness and his grace and his redemption. But the condition is we have to be willing to trust him. We have to be re- willing to give those ashes to him knowing that his redemptive power will make all things new. And a lot of times we want to cling to those ashes. We want to cling to those hard things and almost wear them as a badge and use them as an excuse to cause us to question God or pull away from God. And we see that happening a lot in the church today, even among Christian leaders. A lot of times those that turn away and renounce their faith, if you really question them, it all stems back to something disappointing or difficult that they walked through and it caused them to doubt God and question God, which of course is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. Lots of times the hard things that come into our lives are a result of enemy attack. And so often he throws a grenade in and explodes and goes off and we're dealing with just the broken pieces of whatever it was that happened. And then he sidles up to us and whispers in our ear, can you believe that God did that to you? You can't trust him. He's not faithful. Maybe you've been tempted along those lines with different things that you've walked through. I know it's been a temptation for me. And one of the stories that I think back to from a number of years ago was the adoption of our fifth and sixth child from Haiti. Now, Eric and I had adopted two children before this. And and both of those experiences had been truly just beautiful and Christ-centered and peaceful, and there just wasn't a lot of drama associated with them. But with the adoption of Reese and Lily, our, our fifth and our sixth child from Haiti, it was a different story. It started out, and it was supposed to be a fairly simple, easy process. We hadn't been planning on adopting again, but we were asked to adopt these children. And we had already sort of made up our mind that if... God brought a child in need to us. We had a predecided yes. And so we had our predecided yes for these two children. And we were told it would be a fairly easy and quick process. Nothing could have been farther from the truth. It was a 29-month ordeal. It was an agonizing process filled with heartache and disappointment. And there were so many moments of just wanting to give up and walk away from the whole thing. And yet that would have meant walking away from two children that were in need, two children that we had committed our lives to. I had some moments in the process where I was in total despair. I was under so much stress. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I felt like it would never end. And it was really easy for me at that time to sort of question God and say, God, we did this out of love for you. We did this in obedience to you. Why have you abandoned us in this process? Why are you allowing us to go through such a heartrending process just to take a step of obedience to you? And the way that I was looking at it about halfway through the process was that this was the end of the story. It was just going to be this disappointment, this heartache, and yet God began to speak to my heart that he did have a purpose in all of this. He would turn everything the enemy meant for evil to good if I would continue to trust him and realize that the story wasn't over yet. He was still in the process of writing the story. He led me to the words of Psalm 126 5, those who sow in tears shall reap and joy. And then Psalm 30, 11, you have turned my mourning into dancing. Through those scriptures, I began to realize he was still writing the story and he was a God of redemption. So I began to ask that he would redeem the things that had been broken through this process. And after 29 months of wrestling in prayer and trusting him and continuing to take the ashes of my hurt and my disappointment and lay them at his feet, I began to see him bring redemption to the situation. When those children stepped off the plane at the age of three, after 29 months and just ran into my arms, which was a complete miracle in itself because we had only seen them a couple of times and hadn't spent much time with them. And God just did such a beautiful work in opening their hearts to us. But that was my first glimpse of God's redemption of an impossible situation in my life. There have been other situations that I am continuing to lay before God, lay the ashes of my hurt or my grief or my disappointment at his feet, knowing and trusting that he is writing a story and I can't see the end of that story yet. God's redemption doesn't always come immediately. It doesn't always come after 29 months. Sometimes it's years. Sometimes we may not even see the full picture until eternity, but we know that he is a God of redemption. God promises to give beauty for ashes. He promises to take all that the enemy means for evil in our life and work it for good if we love and trust him. He promises that all things will work together for our good. It's very easy though to give up hoping and trusting before the story is over. So if you've had difficult things in your life, things that you don't understand, things that have hurt or confused you, The key question I would challenge you to ask yourself is this. Am I standing firmly upon the promise that God will work all things together for my good as I put my hope in Him? Or are you allowing bitterness and cynicism and doubt to cloud your soul? Have you been tempted to pull away from God and blame him for your pain? Because remember, that is exactly what the enemy wants to do. Healing and restoration and redemption is available to us through the amazing power of God, but it doesn't happen when we push God away. It happens when we run to the feet of the one who died for us. And the way that we choose to respond to difficulty in our lives can be a matter of spiritual life or spiritual death. As I mentioned earlier, so many Christians reject God and renounce their faith simply because they do not trust that he is going to work all things together for good. And they're listening to that enemy voice that says, God is not faithful, God cannot be trusted. This is a poem called the Tapestry Poem I wanted to read you, and it's something I heard from Corey Tenboom. I think I've maybe read it on another episode. It's such a beautiful little poem, and it reminds us not to give up, trusting in God, until the story is over, and a lot of times we, we make a judgment call based on what we see in our current circumstances without recognizing God is weaving a beautiful tapestry together through our lives, through our circumstances, and here's how the poem goes. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaves steadily. Oft times he weaves sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly, will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares, nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. And I love that because when we trust God with the ashes of our hurt or pain or regret, we can know that his redemptive power is already at work in our lives. When John the Baptist was in prison, He sent a message to Jesus saying, are you really the Christ? Which is quite interesting because he had already declared Jesus to be the Messiah. And Jesus sent a message back to John saying, blessed is he who is not offended. Because of me. Now, it's possible that John the Baptist, because of his circumstances, you know, being in prison by Herod and being a- awaiting his execution, maybe he was questioning whether Jesus was really who he said he was because of his own difficult circumstances. When Jesus says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me, to be offended in that verse means to trip or to stumble, to become offended or indignant. So when we experience rough patches, difficulty, heartache, disappointment, it's really easy to keep our eyes on those circumstances and allow them to us to become indignant or offended towards God. But if we choose to not go down that road and say, Lord, I don't understand, but I trust you anyway, we can know that God's promises, such as Ecclesiastes 3.11, God makes all things beautiful in his time. We can know that those promises will be fulfilled in our lives. When we become offended towards God, it's because we're giving up on him before he's done writing the story. There are so many amazing stories, both historically and biblically, of God's amazing redemption, taking really hard situations and making something beautiful out of them. I think of the story that Amy Carmichael shared. She's one of my favorite missionaries about a young girl that she rescued named Mutamal. And what an incredible story. This girl had so many odds stacked against her, and she had all of these relatives that were in this really vicious court battle for custody of her because of her inheritance. And Amy Carmichael, was trying to rescue her and help her out of a really, really difficult situation. She was going to be legally required to marry this really old man who cared nothing about her, just wanted her money. And this young girl was very young at the time. And right before the court hearing To determine the fate, the future of this young girl, Amy Carmichael said to her, no matter what happens, promise me that you will not become offended towards Jesus. And the young girl promised she would not allow whatever happened to cause an offense between her and God because Amy Carmichael had led her to Christ and she didn't want these circumstances to cause that barrier so through a series of events this girl was rescued out of a really bad situation and smuggled out of the country and Amy Carmichael didn't know of her whereabouts until years later but God did rescue and redeem her out of this horrible situation as she trusted in him and later this young girl actually married one of the male workers that had worked alongside Amy Carmichael and came back to serve alongside Amy in her ministry as an adult what an incredibly amazing and beautiful story but they had to truly walk through the fire, God will, I will trust you no matter what happens." God is a God of redemption if we will trust him and let him finish writing the story. We see this all throughout scripture, the story of Joseph. He could have so easily despaired and turned his back on God when his brother sold him into slavery, when he was falsely accused in Potiphar's house, when he was forgotten and in this prison possibly for the rest of his life. But because he did not become offended towards God, God restored him and renewed him and blessed him beyond measure. We see it in the story of Abigail. who was married to this very evil man. And she probably wondered, how did I get myself into this circumstance? Can God redeem me out of it? But she showed such trust in God, even in the midst of her husband's stupidity. And she came to King David and she begged him not to attack on behalf of her husband's evil and stupidity. And she actually saved King David from making a terrible mistake. And God rewarded her for her trust in him. Her husband died and she married David And he restored and redeemed all that had been probably very, very difficult for her to walk through in her life. The story of Esther, she was taken basically as a slave into this king's home and even though her circumstances were probably very difficult. you know, We think of Esther and like, oh, she was a queen, she had all these luxuries, but she was a slave. She couldn't even walk into the presence of the king without risking her very life. And yet, as she trusted God, as she made herself available to God, despite her difficult circumstances, he redeemed, he restored, he rescued her people and used her mightily in the process. Of course, the story of Job, as he said to God, though he slay me, I will trust in him. And because he said that, God restored abundantly all that the enemy had robbed from him. There are also some really powerful historical stories of redemption. I've recently been studying the life of Nate Saint. He was one of the missionaries that was killed in the 50s by the Aca Indians in Ecuador. And he was a missionary pilot. And what an amazing story. A lot of us know the story of Jim Elliott. And Nate Saint's story is not maybe as well-known, but he was just an incredible man, an inc- incredible ambassador of the gospel. He had a wife and several young children, and he, after his death, after he was martyred at a very young age, God worked the circumstances out for both his sister and his children to really build relationships with the very people who had caused his death and who had killed him. And when his children were a little bit older, they were actually baptized by the same men who had killed their father. They were told, you know, go to some men who you really respect who are like spiritual fathers to you and ask them to baptize you. And those were the men that they chose because of the redemption of God, because God rescued these men, saved these men, and built this beautiful, amazing bond. And Nate's sons, Steve Saint has an incredible story about becoming very, very close friends for the rest of his life with one of his father's killers. What an incredible story of God's redemption, of God taking those ashes in our lives and making beauty out of them when we trust him to write the story. Corey and Betsy Ten Boom, another amazing picture of redemption. There's a story that Corey Ten Boom tells about Betsy when they were in the German concentration camp. And if you haven't read their story, the book The Hiding Place is truly one of my favorites. They were They were in Holland during the Second World War, and they were hiding Jews in their home, and they were captured by the Nazis and put into a German concentration camp. And Betsy had this vision when they were in this horrific place of suffering that after the war they would work together to heal and restore people Who had been wounded through just the atrocities of the war. And she described this home to Corey that we were going to have this home and it's going to be for people who have been hurt and wounded by the war. And here's what the home is going to look like. And Corey Ten Boom. was was worried about Betsy because she was very, very sick at the time. And she said, are we going to be doing this ministry together? Betsy, are you sure? And Betsy said, yes, we'll always be together. And then a few days later, Betsy died. And Corey wondered, okay, was that even a vision from God? How is God going to redeem this situation? I've just lost my sister and my best friend. And after she was released, which was a miracle that she was released from that camp, she was really burdened to minister to people after the war. And a woman came to her and said, I have this home that I want to give to you for your ministry work. And she took Corey on a tour through this home and it looked... So similar to the home that Betsy had described in the concentration camp. And Corey began to see the realization of the vision God had given Betsy come to pass through her. And so even though Betsy died, her spirit, her vision, her passion still lived on and God restored and redeemed and just really made something beautiful out of such a difficult situation. Darlene Diedler is another one that I talk often about in this podcast. She wrote a book called Evidence Not Seen and she was a young American missionary who was in New Guinea during the Second World War and really what a terrible situation she was just getting off the ground with ministry to the tribes in interior of New Guinea with her young husband. When the Japanese overtook the country and called all of the foreigners together and executed some and imprisoned others, she lost her husband as a young woman. She lost her ministry, so to speak, to the the, interior, the tribes in the interior of New Guinea. And she almost lost her life. She was actually accused of being a spy and she was put on death row. And you know, her life was really, really shattered. As she left the island after the war, she said she weighed, you know, 80 or 90 pounds. She was in borrowed clothes. All of her earthly possessions had been destroyed. She was a widow and she was only in her twenties. How was God ever going to redeem a situation like that? And yet as she returned to the States, she continued to trust and hope in God, knowing that he would work all of these hard things together for her good. And as she began to share her story of God's faithfulness, even in the hardest times, so many people were blessed and moved and drawn into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And as she began to heal physically and emotionally from all that she had gone through, she felt God calling her to go back to New Guinea as a missionary. And people said, how could you possibly go back to the place that took everything from you? And she said, no, I know I'm called to go back. And there was a man who came to interview her right before she went back to New Guinea who had been very inspired by her first husband, Russell, and wanted to interview Darlene about her first husband. This man had a very similar passion for New Guinea, and they fell in love, and they went together back to the same place she had been with her first husband and ministered there for 30 years. What an incredible story of redemption and God healing and restoring all that had been lost. Robert Germain Thomas is a missionary that not very many people have heard of, but his story is truly remarkable. He had gone to China as a young missionary with his wife, and sadly, within a few months, his wife and unborn child had died. And he really struggled with God, wrestled with God, questioned whether he had done the right thing in going to China. But as he continued to trust God, that God would redeem and, and make use and find a purpose in his being there, he felt convicted that he was to smuggle Bibles over to Korea. And it was very dangerous to do that because Korea was a completely closed country. But he was able to get some Bibles in. He was caught and executed at the age of, I think, 25. So he had only really been a missionary for maybe a year or two. And he really hadn't had any converts. And he had only smuggled a, p- a few Bibles into Korea. And he had lost his wife and unborn child. And you can look at a story like that and think, well, what? how is God gonna redeem a situation like that? Well, one of the, the people that got the Bibles that he smuggled into Korea was a little boy. And this little boy grew up to become one of the very first pastors in Korea. He actually wallpapered his, his house with the pages of the Bible that he had been given. And he brought the gospel to his people. And when missionaries were finally able to get into that country, 20 or 30 years later, they found a strong and thriving church because of the Bible that Robert Jermaine Thomas had given that little boy. God gives beauty for the ashes in our lives. We don't always see the end of the story right away, but he is working all things for our good. He doesn't promise us a lighthearted, bubbly, carefree journey through the Christian life, but he does promise us a peace-filled, joy-filled, purposeful, and beautiful journey. Here's a little poem that I first heard from Darlene Dibler in one of her audio messages, and it so beautifully articulates the trust that we can have in God, in his faithfulness, in his mercy, in his love, in his redemption, even in the hardest things that we walk through. There is a peace that cometh after sorrow, of hope surrendered, not of hope fulfilled. A peace that looketh not upon tomorrow, but calmly on a tempest that is stilled. A peace that lives not now in joy's excesses, nor in the happy life of love secure, but in the unerring strength the heart possesses of conflicts won while learning to endure. A peace there is in sacrifice secluded, a life subdued from will and passion free. Tis not the peace that over Eden brooded, but that which triumphed in Gethsemane. And that is exactly the path that Jesus walked on our behalf. Will you trust God today with whatever difficult circumstances are in your life or things you've been through in the past and say, Lord, I bring these ashes. I lay them at your feet. I know that you will make all things beautiful in your time. Even when I can't see the end of the story, you will work all things together for my good. I can trust you implicitly. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into this topic on living a Christ-centered life, please visit us at setapartgirl.com. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.